Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Pro Wrestling Vault. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Barrett Brown, Ricky Morton, Cordell Walker, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 400 photos from the independent scene. Get your book today by going to Russellville.com. Russellville. It's, it's where wrestling lives. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and my guest today is former NWA junior heavyweight champion, the stray dog, Barrett Brown. Man, that's awesome. I appreciate the intro, man. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for having me. Hey, man, it is a pleasure having you on the show. You and I have talked in the past, but always on the phone, and... I've had the opportunity to do a couple of stories on you. And so, uh, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. I think you're one of the hardest working dudes in professional wrestling and not just in the state of Texas. Man, I appreciate that. And uh, I get that a lot. And it's funny because I, I do, I put in as much work as I can. And sometimes it feels like it's not enough considering, you know, the, the scope of professional wrestling and, you know, how many jobs are out there and, you know, what I do, but I I do my best to be better than I was yesterday, you know, and um, that's all I can really do. So I take it day by day and I try to just uh, challenge myself every day and just to be better, man. So I really appreciate that. And there's a lot of things to it, too, right? Working out, uh, social media, merch, the talking, you know, the staying in shape, the I mean, the the 
eating right, right? I mean, there's it's not just wrestling in the ring. There's a lot of things that go into it. Right. And I think a big aspect that a lot of people don't really think about is also, you know, balancing your life outside of all this, too, you know, because we have to make money outside of just wrestling. So, you know, balancing a job or balancing a personal life and balancing every aspect of staying in shape and staying active and even the travel, just balancing everything out is an absolute chore. But it goes in with what I tell all, a lot of guys that I help train, you know, it's uh, if you put in the work, uh, I'm, a, I'm a true believer that this business will give you back what you put into it. And I feel like so far I've been kind of proof of that. So. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I, I agree with you 100%. I, I, I want to ask you something. Do you kind of feel like you're doing all this work, you're doing all this work, and then you get to this certain point, you look back, and then you're able to see your fruits, but sometimes when you're going through it, you're like, golly, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we have our goals in the industry, and uh, I try to, like, I have my big goals, you know, but I try to, to set, like, stepping stone goals as well. Um, I've always told guys that you have got to enjoy the journey because if you do not enjoy the journey, it makes this so much harder. Uh, like, obviously, we have a goal to get to, but this is about the journey and about enjoying it. And like, this is about the love of the industry. And it's a long journey to the top or to where you want to be. And if you don't like the journey, man, then you may fall out of love with this. And that will make this the hardest industry in the world to be a part of. So uh, yeah, looking back, man, I mean, if you would have asked 15 year old Barrett Brown, if I would have all these stories that I have now at 29 years old, I would have called you crazy. So I, I have no regrets, man. Yeah, no, I, I, I bet, I bet, you know, you, uh, you held the NWA junior heavyweight title. Yes, it's got to be, well, I know it was a dream come true for you because we had talked about this specifically. Right. And, um, you know, talk to me a little bit about some of the, I guess, events that happened and occurred. Um, kind of kind of strange. Here, here's, we'll kind of paint the picture for the, the audience that they may not know. Um, the NWA was owned by Bruce Thorpe. You Correct. held the NWA junior heavyweight title. Uh, you defeated uh, Mr. USA for it. How long did you hold the belt before the company was sold? It wasn't very long. Can you help me out with that? So, it, man, that whole time span was very strange because, as as we talked about, that was my dream. And there were a lot of things going on in the background that I could not even publicize um, because with me holding the championship, I was also in touch with, you know, the new owner and the new vice president who was transitioning, you know, into ownership. And there were just a lot of things under wraps that I really couldn't talk about. But now that, you know, everything has changed for a year, we're like six years after all this, and we can finally make it public, um, I was really in a state of limbo at the time. It was at the point where I could not publicize my defenses. Um, I couldn't really share flyers with NWA logo because they were unsure of what the what the future was going to hold for the company. You know, they weren't sure how they were going to rebrand because there were a lot of different options for the company at the time, and it was really 
I think it was around the middle of September because I won the championship August 12th, 2017. And around the middle of September, they made the decision that they were going to restart the NWA basically from the ground up with just the world's heavyweight and focus on Tim Storm and his story, which meant that, you know, all the affiliates, because, man, there were a ton of little affiliates with the NWA and a ton of little affiliate championships as well that really maybe didn't mean as much as the main championships they wanted to put a sole focus on the NWA name and one championship, which meant that the affiliates went away. But also when the name was purchased by Billy Corgan, he also purchased the main championships, which, you know, included not just the world's heavyweight, but also mine, the women's, the tag, the North American, the national, all the main NWA championships. And so when they decided to focus only on the world's heavyweight, it meant that the other champions, we had to ship our championships back. And so that's why when I've said, you know, very publicly, even on the NWA Extra podcast, that the championship, I was not defeated for it. I had to send it back. That is a legitimate story. So um, I got the call uh, late September that they made that decision. And man, on September 26, uh, 2017, almost exactly a month and a half after I won the title, I, uh, with tears in my eyes, man, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I drove to the UPS store with my baby in a, in a, in a box and I shipped it off to, uh, the vice president at the time. And that was the last time that I saw my championship. Um, and I guess we can really kind of go into more detail because I'm not, I'm not going to a name who Mr. USA really is because I don't want to publicize his name because of what he did to me personally, uh, with this story. But, uh, upon the company receiving the championship from me, um, I was basically asked by the vice president if the title that I sent him was the one that I received in the match when I won. And I told him, I said, man, yeah, I, uh, you know, I've got pictures, video, uh, everything of that match of that night because, you know, my family was there. They, they, they were there for that moment. That meant so much to me. And he said, great. I need you to do me a favor. He said, send me every picture that you have, send me the video of the match, and then I need you to go get a statement notarized because the gentleman that you defeated for the title never gave you the real title. He had a fake championship made, and that's the one that you sent to us, which floored me because that, to me, that meant that he stole Billy Corgan's property. He never brought the real title to Dyersburg to begin with. And that meant that my dream that came true was in a way tarnished because I never physically held the real championship, uh, the real world junior heavyweight championship. But I, uh, I got everything sent to the company. And because of me, they did receive the real championship. Um, they never publicized it. But every that entire story that I've told over the last month leading up to um, the match with uh, Mr. Morton uh, in June, uh, man, that was all legitimate. That was not a storyline. That was not what everyone's called kayfabe. That was all legitimate truth. And that's why it meant so much to me to uh, fight for the real championship because man, I never got to hold it. Right. Right. Well, go ahead and let's talk a little bit about, uh, the match you had in June with Kerry Morton 
Um, how, how did it go? And uh, very emotional night, I'm sure, right? It, it Man, it was one of the most emotional moments, not just in my wrestling career, but in my life. Um, and a lot of people, I think there's a misconception, uh, and I want to clear it up for anyone that may be confused about it. Um, a lot of people have been asking me, like, well, you know, who promised you the rematch? You know, you could talk about being promised. I was like, no, I wasn't promised a rematch. I was promised that I would still be the champion if the title was brought back. But they announced a tournament to crown a champion without my involvement. So in reality, I should have been involved. And there was also people that said that Kerry won the won the tournament. He did not homicide won the tournament. Kerry beat homicide. And just it all led to that moment, man. And the match with Kerry, I will tell you, I've heard a lot of different people tell me that despite whatever we did in the match, just with the buildup and the emotion behind it, they said that it was the best match in the history of that company's nine-year career. Um, there was not a match, I, in my opinion, outside of the NWA that the NWA has publicized or made more public than our match. Um, to me, I mean, we were not the last match on the card, but it meant so much to so many that it was the main event that night. And I, uh, I talked about closure and how this match was closure to me. And it truly was. Um, I will say that the way that it ended was not exactly how I would describe closure because in reality, if I was more urgent, if I would have been quicker to the cover, if I would have paid more attention to the time, I should be the champion right now because um, I hit everything that I had. And as soon as I covered him, the bell rang and we ran out of time. Um, we did go to a draw. Uh, Carrie demanded the bell to ring again for us to go again. And the bell rang. And then he said, hold on, maybe we don't do it here. Maybe we do this somewhere else. Maybe Barrett Brown shows up at the NWA and we do it there. And that meant a lot to me, um, which surprised me as, you know, Kerry Morton when the way he's acting now to show me a sign of respect. But uh, soon after that, I figured out why he did that because he jumped me from behind and he stole, he stole a, a win out of me um, because he took advantage of my emotions. And I, you, in some ways you could call it closure because that's what this whole thing is about. But to me with everything around it, I think it's closure maybe on a chapter, but maybe it's also the beginning of another one. So I don't think that this story is done just yet, but for right now with how emotional it was and after six years of not being defeated for the championship, um, right now I will say that I am content with what happened, but I will say that I don't think that this story is over just yet. Sure. When was the last time that you talked to the NWA office? So Billy, anybody. So directly to the office themselves, to Billy or anybody, the last time I had interaction with uh, Mr. Corgan was actually NWA 70. Um, whenever I faced Laredo Kid, um, I believe that was actually the first live event that was um, organized by the company under Billy Corgan's ownership. Um, I have not spoken directly to uh, Mr. Corgan or um a vice president since then but what i will say is 
there have been secondhand interactions between myself and the office. Uh, direct contact, not yet, but I'm going to kind of leave things up in the air because there may be um, some things developing that I can't really talk about right now. Okay. Well, it would be, it, it would be nice to see, uh, see you wrestle in that organization again for that title again. Um, I'm kind of curious and, you know, why you weren't brought into that tournament. I, did you ever catch wind about that? Because when, when I heard there was going to be a tournament and saw that you weren't in there made absolutely no sense to me. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I get that a lot, man. And there could be different reasons. Um, I know there was a point in time where um, there were a few select people that out of just pure jealousy and spite tried to tarnish some bookings for me, uh, including UK bookings um, that, but that got brushed over because I proved that I'm, you know, not the kind of person they try to paint me to be. Um, and I don't know. I, uh, I've always dealt, you know, this business as a professional and, I've always done my best to do things the right way. Um, and I don't know. Uh, I don't know if maybe someone, you know, said something about me that wasn't true that, you know, maybe they wanted to avoid drama. Maybe they, you know, didn't know enough about me to bring me in. Maybe I just didn't fit enough or maybe it was because the person that made that promise no longer is with the company. Um, there, there's a lot of reasons, but I think that now, after everything that's happened over, you know, the last few months, I think that there may be uh, some changes coming. So uh, I've always been a believer that things happen for a reason. And I think that the last five years has given me a lot of time to grow, not just, you know, personally, but I've been able to grow as a performer with, you know, with New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, facing some of the best in the world, man, like Minoru Suzuki, Hiroshi Tanahashi, a lot of guys that are legends in this industry that have done nothing but make me better. And, you know, maybe five years ago, it wasn't my time to be involved in the NWA. And maybe if, you know, the stars align and, and now's the time, then I think I'm more prepared now than I ever was. So time will tell on all that, man. But I, what I will say is I see the junior division. I see what they have to bring. And I truly think that they could use uh, a bit of straight dog style and their junior division. Absolutely. Well, I've lived in Texas uh, probably most of your career. So, um, you know, I've, I've never heard a bad word about you. You know, I, I, hear, I hear nothing but good things about you. And I've every interaction I've had with you has always been positive. And, you know, your, your work in the ring speaks for itself. So, you know, if it's not the NWA, It'll be somebody, right? But you know what? Also, too, Barrett, and and you know this better than I do. You know there are people carving their their own path out in the independent scene. You know, and the independent scene isn't what it used to be. You know, 10, 15 years ago, right? It's 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 almost like, and I've said this in the past before. It's almost like the territories are coming yeah. back. But of course, people say, well, the territories will never come back because you need TV. But, you know, you got this now. 
<laughs> man, I say it all the time. I mean, dude, I don't even have cable anymore. You know, it's it's almost like streaming services have taken over. YouTube is a thing. I mean, we live in the digital age and social media is where everything lives right now. I mean, you could post one clip online, on Twitter, on any social media platform. And if it is seen by the right eyes and if it's wanted by the right person, it could change your life. It is absolutely crazy the times we live in. It, it, you never know, like in this business, your life can change in the next five minutes. I could get an email in the next five minutes that could change my life. Right. You never know, man. It, it's so crazy. But you know, like you said, the, the independent scene is not, it is not just, you know, some backstory in wrestling that you can make a living in the independent scene. And I think for me personally, you know, I've spent, the last 13 years of my life trying to make a name for myself on the independent scene and having opportunities with some of the top promotions in the world. Um, but I will say that two of my top goals have always been, you know, outside of, you know, debuting for WWE or whatever, two of my top goals have always been a to wrestle in Japan, which hopefully if stars align, that's kind of in the works and hopefully it stays that way. Um, and B, to sign a freaking professional wrestling contract. And hopefully the way that I've been telling the story, hopefully the way that the story has opened eyes on how I can tell a story, because this business is driven on storytelling, I will say, and, and emotion. And hopefully I've opened enough eyes to where I'm closer to that goal. So time will tell. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When all that was going down with the NWA, uh, was it just kind of hard to, to just get a gauge on everything? I mean, I don't know what all was happening at the time, right? You said the 70, the, the 70 anniversary show, right? Yeah. So they had the, they brought you in for that. Was that just kind of like, a, let's kind of throw the dog a bone? <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe pun intended. That was the one of straight dog a bone, maybe. I don't know. I uh it looking back on it, I don't know, maybe. But I if nothing else, I have learned over the years to use any kind of negativity because trust me, when that tournament was announced, it was probably the biggest negative hit I've taken personally in this in this entire in my career. But I found a way just to really channel that into what I did in the ring. And I was like, all right, if they're going to bring me in, I'm going to show them what they're missing out on. I'm going to show them. And it, it was also horrible timing because what I will say, and I'm going to actually do something for the first time ever that no one's ever really seen uh, on this, on this uh, podcast. So I was a part of the first american new japan show when the fans came back after covid it was a resurgence in 2021 i believe and man that was when i wrestled with uh, tanahashi in a six-man tag just had a dream match i got home and there was a package at my door and my family went out of their way to get with a professional belt maker and they had a direct replica of the championship that i never got to hold and so this is the title that I never got to really hold, never got to defend, but I have my, I have my baby with me now, you know, in, in spirit, I have it here to say that I did it. 
the tournament was announced a week later. And to me, I was like, what a blow to the heart, man. And instead of really letting it eat me alive and letting it just drive me away from this industry, I was like, I'm going to prove to everybody who I am, why I held that and why I should be the champion. I'm going to show them what they're missing out on. And I think that so far it's translated well, man, and things have been really picking up and working out since I made that decision. So it's uh, been very emotionally driven story for me so far, but I think we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, very neat. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that story. I have to admit, you know, when uh, when I found out that you weren't in it, it it bothered me, too. You know, it was just, <laughs> you know, and and I don't know you super well. I mean, I mean, we've talked a couple of times, you know, but I've been around combative sports for a long time. Yeah. The guy who holds the belt. Prior to the champion always gets a rematch. Right. Right. Or some kind of an opportunity. Right. PWC Podcast. With Rick Del Santo. For all your wrestling reviews, interviews, and news, Rick covers the United Wrestling Network, the NWA, and the Northeast region of the United States Independency. PWC. 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 So I had a website prior to my podcast, and I wrote a couple stories on you. Long story short, to uh, no longer have that website, but to preserve the stories uh, and to follow up on Kenny Casanova gave me uh, some advice. He goes, hey, take those short stories, man, and preserve them, put them in a book. And, um, and that's what I did. And so I put two of your stories in the Pro Wrestling Vault Volume 1. And um, what was your reaction to that book? I, I loved it, man. Um, you know, you see stories, you know, like in magazines and stuff like that, but to see it in a in a professionally written book, like a publicized book, that was that was something special. It's something that I never experienced before. So just to see the way that you really like told the story, that my story up to that point, the way that you covered everything. Uh, it meant a lot, man, and uh, I was very honored and humbled to be involved in that. So I do, I'm glad that uh, you brought that up because I do want to thank you for involving me in that because it did mean a lot to me. Hey, you're welcome, and thank you, thank you for working with me on that. And let me, you know what is so neat about that particular volume is you've got. I think, uh, was it Eric Andrews? It was Eric Andrews, and then it was Mr. USA, and you were in there. So you were in there, and you're talking about getting the title shot, and then Mr. USA is talking about getting the title shot. Yeah. And, you know, he won the title, and then you you get it back. I mean, it was the way the stories tied in yeah. all the way through, all the way through the book. Chris Michaels and Tracy Smothers. Uh, Rick yeah. Martin and Chase Owens, you, Mr. USA and Eric Andrews, you know, uh, it was just really, really neat. And then all the stories I had with the former NWA heavyweight champions, I had Mike Rapata, uh, Tim Storm, uh, Harley Race. Yeah. So it was, it was a pretty special book, man. It me. was. And 
I know we talked about this before, but you know, just you going through those names and I don't know, it feels again, surreal to like say my name with a lot of those other names too, because I think that really like talking to you about this, you talking about the names, despite whatever may happen in the future, man, like if you go through the history of that championship, I, man, there are some incredible legends on the list of names that have held that championship and thinking about it, you know, we, we talked about how if you would have told 15 year old me just starting out, if I would have ever thought that I'd be, my name be in a list like that, that that's very humbling. And that's uh, that alone is, uh, is worth the closure. So. Right. Right. So you're wrestling all over, right? I know you, you reside in Texas, so you wrestle quite a bit in Texas. Where are some of the other places you're going right now? Yes, sir. Uh, I wrestle quite a bit in Texas. Um, I I help, you know, do I help run a, f- a couple of uh, companies in Texas too. I help out quite a bit more than I used to. I run a training facility here as well, where I uh, train guys and help, you know, currently trained wrestlers as well. Actually, where I live. I walk out a door and there's a ring out there. So like I, I live at a training facility, but other than this man, I'm traveling to like Louisiana, Mississippi, all over the, the U S just uh, really just like letting the road kind of hold my craft and trying to wrestle new people, trying to wrestle as many guys as I can just uh, I, you know, I always tell guys that I want to learn a little bit of every style, not just like, you know, one, just not just one style, but I want to learn everything a little about everything so I can work with anybody. Um, obviously my main style is based on the new Japan dojo because I spent a lot of time with, uh, Katsuri Shibata-san and learned how he trained guys. But man, I just, I want to never stop learning about this industry. And if traveling this country, you know, to London one day to Japan, if I could just keep this knowledge going, man, I'll, I'll work with anybody. So I, uh, I'm trying to be as many places as I can be, man. And, just stay traveling and I just keep myself busy. Well, you say you want to be able to wrestle with anybody you step in the ring with. I think you can already do that, man. I appreciate that, man. That means a lot. Yeah. I've been watching you. I've been watching you. Like I said, I've never had the opportunity to see you in person and uh, we'll definitely, uh, you know, we're going to have to make that happen, but I've, I've, I watch you every opportunity I can uh, on online or, you know, any way I can. And I, and I just tell you, you know, I just like your style. I like your emotion. You, you know, you really, you bring it, you know, and uh, well, your passion comes through. Thank you. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's the main thing that um, I try to instill in a lot of the guys that I try to help or that I try to talk to that ask me for any kind of advice. And it feels weird to say that because I still feel like that 15 year old kid just breaking in. I'm like, I'm the guy I asking advice from, you know, like I don't feel like I've earned that right. But anyone that asks me for the advice, I tell them I like, you know, the difference between let's say MMA or any other combat sport and what we do is, you know, they go there to watch bloodshed to see people fight, but man, they come to us to have a story told. They want to feel something. And if I can pull that emotional heartstring, if I can really like suck them in and make them feel something, that's my job. Um, because if I can think about an idea and it touches me, then maybe it's going to touch someone else. And maybe I can like, you know, really just kind of draw people out of their everyday life. Like if all the stress of this real life, all of 
you know, how society is. And if I can really just bring them out of that for just maybe 10 minutes of my time, then I'll have done my job. So that's, that's what I tell them. Like this business is driven on stories and emotion. And that's what I want to portray every time I go out there. When you wrestled Carrie in June, uh, what do you think the, the level of emotion was, you know, that dude on a scale of 10, it was at a 15. Uh, I, I actually got with, and I've shared this on my social media platforms. I got with a professional filmmaker. His name is Corey, Corey Snelson. Dude is phenomenal. And I took this championship, um, the one that I just showed you, I told him, I said, I want to tell a story that's going to resonate with everybody that's either followed my story or for maybe the first time fans that are going to be there for the first time to watch this match. But I said, I want to tell the story of this title being taken from me. And I want to tell an emotional story about me coming to take it back and get my closure. And man, when the finished video played at the event and it faded into my entrance, when I walked out, the place was deafening. And at that point, I was like, I got him. Like, I was like, this is already the match of the night and we haven't done a thing. I've, I've walked out here. And just because they saw the story, they knew what was going into it. And because I'd hyped it up so much online to the point where the NWA even brought me on their podcast to talk about it, you know, someone from the outside, which is unheard of. There was so much story and emotion behind it that it already was out of 15 before we even locked up. And I think that's what made it so special. All right. Well, and, and, and plus, like I said, man, this is all real stuff. And I feel like, the best stories are built on reality, and this was nothing but reality. You can't write this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the best story writers could write this stuff down, man. This was, and again, this was six years of pure, real emotion that was let out in twenty minutes. So, uh, we we have a mutual friend, uh, Shannon. Yes. Okay. Yeah. She was talking. She was trying to talk me into driving up there. But it, it was, oh, I gotcha. yeah, but it was, you know, it's an eight hour drive. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to <laughs> get there in time. No. I could have got there, but. Yeah, I appreciate the, the thought though, man. It's funny. I legit had people that were about to, that were like buying plane tickets to come see the match. It, I like, I was getting messages of people that drove from like deep Louisiana just to come to Texas to watch that match. And I was like, when I was getting those messages, I was like, man, we're about to take some souls on June 23rd. Like this is special. If people are going to want to fly in to see this, that we got them. So that meant a lot. And and it was uh MPX, right? No, this was a VIP wrestling. Yeah. VIP wrestling. We were at the St. Jude Hall in Arlington, Texas. Yeah. But I, I mean, I'll shout out MPX too. Great, great. Probably one of the best weekly shows we have in Texas up in Bedford, Texas. So yeah, anyone that hears this, you want to go, on a Saturday in Bedford, yeah, MPX oh. is running. Go check them out. It, it is a great show. So what I will say is that um, one of when one of my good friends passed away, his name is Jason Silver, rest his soul. Um, that that company was gracious enough to allow me and his closest friend to run a benefit show for his family in that venue. Man, the place was so packed that people still paid admission. But they watched inside. They watched through the windows from the outside. It was unbelievable. So I think that that's a testament to 
how this business can really bring people together because if people are going to pay general admission fee and still like watch outside through a window at a pro wrestling show, just to like benefit a family and to support, um, you know, someone that they cared about in the ring. You can't make this stuff up, man. Like that's, that's another level. Yes. And watching through the window over there at MPX is not very easy, right? Because those windows are kind of blacked out. Yeah. They're pretty dark, man. So the fact that people were committed to, watching it through there was uh was a big testament to how they felt about it so it was it was great man but now i appreciate you taking the time to talk about him for a second so that's uh that was really cool what do you know about his career how long did he wrestle how did you know him i actually so he wrestled at a little building uh right by where i grew up where, where i lived with my parents back in the day uh, i watched him as a fan and he was always one of my favorites and when i broke in he was one of the guys that i really connected with um i think that he was in the business maybe three or four years before me so he he had been in it for i want to say about 16 to 18 years roughly uh, upon his passing but he was always the guy that i could joke around with and just like i could you know call anytime he would be there and uh and now since his passing i'm uh actually very close with his uh even closer with his family actually his uh his nephews come out to my ring every now and then, and I kind of helped him train a little bit. So he uh, he may have a lasting legacy because of them too. So it's uh, the future looks pretty cool for the Jason Silver legacy. So yeah, he wasn't very old, right? How old was he when he passed? Oh uh, well, man, he was he was in his thirties. So I'm gonna go into like detail about like what happened, but he he had some underlying health issues that he really didn't make super public. And it was just, uh, it was out of nowhere. Like no one expected what happened. And uh, it was, it was a very, very big blow on Texas. I mean, I mean, even to this day, we still have had shows recently dedicated to his memory. And I think that there's going to be a few places that will have annual shows for him as well. So we're going to make sure that even the newer fans, they're going to know who he was. So. It's good, good. And, you know, you, you you say to live as, you know, to continue his legacy on in Texas. Talk a little bit about that family-like atmosphere, right, of Texas wrestling. It's, it's yeah. really apparent. I've I feel like that. it's been that way for a long time, you know. And I think that over the last few years, really, the talent, not just like the amount of talent in Texas, but the pure level of talent is insane here right now we have a hotbed of tremendous talent uh, in texas that are just chomping at the bit to get out there i think once these guys really get their feet under them and they start getting their their licenses to travel around the country there's gonna be some guys that are gonna start opening some eyes i think that uh there's gonna be some uh some guys that are gonna have their i don't know man they just it's crazy the amount of skill that we have in Texas right now. And I've, I work, I wrestled with uh, a guy recently that I helped train his, uh, his name is Tommy Prince, tremendous talent. His brother, Gabe Wilder, both tremendous talents, both tag and singles. Uh, very proud of those boys. And those just two of a ton of guys that I could go on and on about that are based in Texas that are going to just tear it up in the coming years. So I'm excited about the future and, I don't know, man. Me talking about this makes me feel like the old man now. I, it's weird not being the young guy anymore. I don't know. I didn't think I'd get to this point, but here I am. 
talking about the future generation. So, well, you're not that old. Yeah, I feel like it. I feel like all these crazy bumps I've taken, I feel like it. But well, then maybe, yeah, maybe you are. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Barrett. Well, thank you, thank you for uh, sharing that story about Jason with me, and thank you very much for giving me the time tonight. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely, man. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. You always give me the platform to tell my stories like they need to be told, and it's always very much appreciated. Well, we appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Wrestleville Podcast, where wrestling lives. Wrestling fans, promoters, wrestlers, and anyone who enjoys pro wrestling now have something new to be excited about. The Wrestling Fans International Association, the WFIA, is back. WFIA is an association that exists to promote, grow, and support professional wrestling throughout the world. Membership is free. Your membership includes a free digital bi-monthly publication of the Wrestling Fan News newsletter, association updates, voting privileges, and much more. Please go to thewfia.org, that's T-H-E-W-F-I-A.org, and become a member today.